calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Welcome. You've got digital folklore. Hey, this is Perry Carpenter. And I'm Mason Amadeus. And this is Digital Folklore, Season 2, Episode 3. After the episode episode, where we discuss things within the episode. So if you've not yet listened to the episode, we're talking about episode three of season two, go back and listen to that episode now and then join us back here for the after the episode episode of season two, episode three. I feel like I feel like I was just watching chat GPT uh, really not know what to say <laughs> in a fairly episodic way. Yes. So the episode that we just did was Defying Convention, all about memes and uh, and conspiracy and belief and community and communication. Yeah. So tell us a little bit, what was, what was the overall idea of that episode? Where does that fit in with the narrative arc of season two that you put together and some of the weird things that you were able to try? Well, the, I guess what it's about is pretty much uh, driven by the the interviews, right? Like we got to talk to uh, uh, Josh Chapdelaine and Dr. Christina Downs. I was not present for the uh, interview you did with Christina Downs. So actually editing that was the first time I got to hear it. Yeah. Well, and, and she had a ton of fun stuff in that. But I, you know, I think us kind of trying to figure out like, how do we frame all of this as you and I being a little bit of slackerish, we know we want to get involved in this this meme expo because there's going to be some good experts to talk to there. We've submitted a call for presentations. We were somehow accepted to that, even though we didn't really have a plan. Um, and we get there and we get to talk to great folks like Josh and Christina as part of that. And, you know, I think both of them gave really, really good interviews that I'm looking forward to releasing the unplugged episodes for each of those as well. Yeah, there was um, Christina's interview. There was a lot that uh, is going to be in that unplugged because um, there was a whole another section after the because she primarily talked about the the thefts of, from the Dallas Zoo yeah. uh, and all of that. There was a lot in that that got left out that'll be in the unplugged, which will be cool. Like a lot of uh, examples of the different posts and different things people were saying online as that was going on. But then also this idea of uh, narrative kernels. I really wanted to work it in. That was one of those things that like makes the second to last cut. It just, I had to drop it at the last minute for, yeah. for time. Well, you know, that narrative kernel idea, and this is kind of 
a little bit off topic for people that have uh, just listened to this episode, but it should make its way into like a folklore curious if and when we start Mm -hmm. dropping some of those. That narrative kernel idea comes back over and over and over again because when it comes to things like urban legends and um, we talked to uh, John Lawden later on, I think he mentioned this as well, is that anytime something is being transmitted, whether it's an urban legend or a rumor or something, there's this idea of how much can it be compressed? How do you bring it down to its natural smallest form so it can be transferred from person to person extremely quickly? And I think uh, I think Lynn McNeil even mentioned that. There's a, another term for that that I heard recently, and I can't remember it. Oh. So we're going to do a folklore curious on that term as soon as I find it. I think it was something like a mimet. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, this consolidated memory. It, just in case it's hard to follow, I think the thing that really made it click for me is like a narrative kernel is boiling something down to, you know, the one about the guy who walks into the bar. It's it's that essence of the, the smallest possible thing. Or the example you give in The Unplugged was um, saying that you're a bit of a princess in the pea kind of person yeah. in that you like to have everything just right. It's that the smallest amount that can convey the entire meaning. It's like the atom. Exactly. And I, I heard an interview with somebody the other day, and they were talking about what I think I remember as being a memet, if we can look that up at some point and see if it is. And it's it's one of these things where a folklorist can actually cause more harm than good, or somebody can actually cause more harm than good when they go into, like, uh, talking to another people group, and somebody say, oh, and there was this, you know, th- these weird lights in the sky and and there was this, uh, you know, figure that I talked to. And somebody goes, oh, well, that's clearly UFOs and aliens. And they're kind of bringing their understanding of that onto another thing. And then it catches on because now everybody, that's the vernacular that they know is UFOs and aliens. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I'd want to talk to a folklorist about that because it, it is so context dependent because you might have a, a kernel that you think you understand has a context and subtext and all these things attached for you, but doesn't, that's not necessarily the same as it would be for someone else. Is that an imperfect kernel? What is that? Yeah. And then when they don't necessarily have language or frame for that yet, you're accidentally giving them a frame that they then grab onto and then it starts to self-perpetuate. Right. Oh, that's fun. Uh, so, so keep an eye out with the Unplugged with Christina and the one with Josh. I can't speak highly enough of, of Josh and the folks over at Digital Void. Um, I, I swear, talking to Josh is like talking to someone who's prepared everything that's going to come out of their mouth. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know how he does it. He like speaks so eloquently and so smartly and conveys all of these ideas. As I was editing the interview, I literally kept stopping it and playing it out loud for my partner to be like, you got to hear this. Like, you got to hear what Josh said about this. It's so good. It's so smart. It's so succinct. And Josh is so nice too. Like, Absolutely. Well, in Digital Void, if you've not checked it out yet. They do have their own podcast that Josh hosts, and it is very, very intellectually stimulating and fun to listen to at the same time. There's a sense of academic rigor and social awareness that's very uncommon in a lot of these, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of podcasts that are out there right now. And I think that they bring something really special to the conversation. Also, the theme music for their podcast is what played on the vendor floor when we were like, all right, let's look for someone. That yep. music coming from the booth was their theme music. Just a fun little fact. Oh, yeah. No, jo- Josh and, and Digital Void is definitely something that everybody should check out. 100%. I think we, I think there's more collabs in the, probably in the future. Like we don't have anything nailed down yet, but I feel like between us and them, like there's a lot of crossover that we can do. There's a ton. And that brings up something else too. So 
in preparing different narrative bits of these or preparing different interview segments, there's a wide variety of quality of the audio that has to be prepped and cleaned. Getting these things from an audio perspective to the point where they both sound like they're in the same space and the same amount of quality and everything else is a little bit of an undertaking all the time, right? Yeah. And it's, and I, I'm going to just say, like, we can't sometimes. Like, I think what it boils down to is we're talking to experts and academics and people who teach and people who like study and research things and are not podcasters. So they just don't have a good microphone lying around. And it'd be weird to expect them to, right? So, it's really tough because on the one hand, you don't want to burden them with this like extra technical challenge when they're already so busy and we're trying to get their time. And then there's only so much we can do with even the most advanced restoration tools. And in our Discord, uh, on the in the internal side of it, we kick around like six or seven different AI restoration tools. Actually, one of them even reached out to me about being interviewed, trying to do everything we can to beef up this recording that was done on a laptop's internal mic. And and sometimes you just can't. And it's tricky because like I struggle with that in this episode. Christina does not really sound like she's there with us. You can tell it's a recording. But, you know, at the same time, I remember what the audio sounded like. That's true. And again, we're not complaining. No. I just think it's it's amazing when you have this wide variety of audio that comes to you and you're you're doing the best that you can. And in this, I was shocked at how clean and good it sounded. When I when I heard it as a listener who hadn't heard the the transformational steps there. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad. To, to me, it sounded nearly as good as somebody with a professional mic. That was uh, that was Matt's restoration job on that one. Yeah. Matt, I, I ran with um, Matt gave me because Matt helped cut down the interviews for this episode, doing that for future episodes, which is so helpful because the time it takes to do sound design and, and the writing and everything is 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 a lot. Um, and yeah, Matt crushed the restoration job on that. But there's only so much, you know, paint and polish you can put on a recording that was done with uh, like a laptop mic. And yeah, yeah, again, that's not any kind of commentary on the other people we talk to. It's just that the fact of it is not everyone's got a podcast mic. I mean, even you're using a Neumann U87. I'm using a a $200 mic that I stole from my previous job. And we make those sound pretty close to each other. In yeah. Those too. There's a lot of that kind of stuff that goes on. The idea behind all of that is that, that we have a whole range of ways that audio comes to us. And through the magic of audio restoration tools and post-processing, you're able to make that sound like it's, you know, conceivably in the same, like we're sharing the same space. And I think that that's pretty amazing. Um, One of the fun things that came out in that Discord chat that we've seen is that some AI tools do better the worse the audio that's given to it. Yes. And then some of them will wholly create things on their own, depending on the type of audio. And then some of them using a combination works out. When I do restoration, I typically use studio sound on Descript and I dial that back to like 80% instead of 100% because it starts artifacting the higher it gets. Where you'll, you'll still hear a little bit of the room noise that doesn't sound great, but then I run that through standard noise cancellation and it makes it sound pretty freaking good. It's it's really interesting and without getting too technical into it because uh, I will get technical someday if people want, but I believe my, and I really do want to take those uh, AI restoration company up on the interview. I believe that the way these models work to generate audio, similar if you've ever used the text to image generation and watched it happen. It starts with noise and then it slowly resolves down to a picture as it like decides, okay, yeah. here's noise. And then like, what do I actually want? And at each stage it's saying, is this right? Is this right? Is this right? Until it gets to what you asked for. I believe the AI voice restoration does the same thing. It's it's throwing noise out there or it's using the noise built into the recording and then um, building off of that and slowly resolving it. 
So if the audio isn't noisy enough compared to what it's trained on, it won't really know what to do and how to restore stuff. Sometimes I have taken a file that was not the worst audio and tried to run it through one of those tools and made it sound worse. So then I took the original file and I ran some pretty severe saturation on it, like a lot of second harmonic saturation, makes it sound really grumbly and even thrown a little extra noise in there and then run that through the AI restoration and gotten better results. So it's a very interesting technology to work with because it's not as linear of a process as you expect from like a lot of audio tools. Yeah. And what you're describing makes me think of, you know, that that old quote about, oh, gosh, I don't remember who it was, but it's like, how do you look at this thing and create this magnificent statue? It's like, well, I have the you know block of granite or the block of, of marble and I just chip away everything that is not that. And I think that that's a little bit what like what these restoration tools are. But you talked about them every now and then hallucinating and like yes. bringing up syllables of words. And I, w- I was wondering if uh, ghost hunters are going to start using stuff like that. <laughs> Just sending in, Ooh. you know, like static yeah. and seeing what these things hallucinate and coming out with these demonic sounds and saying, well, that's clearly evidence of a haunting. Oh, I'm going to, I wonder if we can include this. I have, I was tasked with cleaning up a recording from a, a stage play and um, I ran it through one of these tools and all of the like audience murmuring, curtain rattling, like footfalls before the show, yeah. it turned into this demonic, like, and it was awesome. If I was a ghost hunter, you know, on, on YouTube or something, I would be using that as like flagship evidence. I never thought of that. That is so good. That's so fun. It's like the uh, the electromagnetic resonance type of recorders. Yeah. And also, I know I know Mark won't mind me uh, pointing this out. On Mark's episode, episode one, we we're trying to do some restoration of his audio because there was a bit that was a little bit messed up and studio sound made him sound drunk, which was the most amusing thing. I don't know why. I don't know if it struggles with English accents, but it took Mark's voice and he was speaking perfectly eloquently, but then he started slurring when it was run through this <laughs> restoration tool. So that was a funny thing to encounter. Any other fun facts about this episode that come to mind for you? Yeah, I... Uh, As I was putting this one together, there's all of those bits where people at the con are passing by quoting memes. Oh, I love those. Those are all Jordan and Lindsay and Tucker and AD. It's it's four people. Um, And I just, I reached out, I was originally going to reach out to a bunch of people, but it's tough to coordinate getting voices from a lot of people. So I was like, okay, these are all people that I know are just like, will riff. And so I was like, hey, can you just send me like 20 minutes of you and you, like Jordan and Lindsay are a couple, Tucker and AD are a couple. I was like, can you just sit down together and quote memes with each other and laugh and talk for a bit? Uh, and then just send that to me. And then they did. And I chopped that all down. And there's so, so many in there. Like they are interspersed all over the place. Some of them are a lot harder to hear than others. I almost made a little scavenger hunt list to say like, Ooh. can you find where in the episode each of these meme references are? I have not seen it yet, but it's, you know, it's fresh. The episode just came out as we're recording this. I, I haven't seen anyone pointing out which ones of those they did catch because there's a lot of yeah. meme references from various eras. I heard quite a few. I'm wondering if, like in a few weeks, if we can just drop some cleaned up versions of those files on like Patreon <laughs> or oh, in our Discord. That would be fun. I could even pull out the, because uh, I, I took them and I chopped them up just to the bits I was going to use and then lined them all right. up in a row so I could pick from them. And I still have those. So I could uh, put those up, which oh, is just rapid fun. fire, all of the little uh, interspersed bits. 
Yeah, that'd be fun. And then you, you've not yet talked about like the extreme sound design that you did for this. I mean, it's stuff that people that are not familiar with sound design processing might not think about. But I mean, you're thinking about proximity of voices and um, room simulations and, you know, ton, tons of stuff. And even like when you're fading in and out of the interviews, the way that you did that and some of the interesting things that you did with EQ and reverb uh, and so on. There's a ton of that, that that I could hear, but I'm sure that I didn't pick up on half of what you did. Well, you, you picked up on what you just said, actually. You picked up on like a lot of the things that I was personally like really stoked about doing and then was like, oh, I don't know if anyone will notice. So that makes me that makes me happy. Like um, in the Christina interview, when we go up on stage, bumping up the uh, like low mids to make it sound like a stage yeah. mic, like an SM58. That's great. I even did a, I grabbed my microphone, like I fully that kind of sound by grabbing my microphone too to get it to sound like we we're picking up a stage mic. That's super easy to do. I, th- I was wondering if you pulled that from a sound library, <laughs> but why would you, right? I, I almost did. I, I had a moment where I was like, okay, I'll just type, wait. <laughs> I don't need to set anything up to fully this. I just hit record and grab it. The room simulate, like the ambience and stuff was really tricky and I'm still not super happy with it. I could play with it forever, but there's like mm. 12 different ambience tracks that are going on. There's different room reverbs for each of the zones that we're in. And then as we're moving through them, they'll they'll be panning around each other in a way that's kind of imperceptible, but I was trying to imply a sense of, of movement. So like there's like two or three different tracks that are just different Walla tracks, which is just people ah. talking. And those are moving left and right each time we're walking. And then you have different room tones. And there's, yeah, there's, I spent (laughs) way too much time on that and trying to make the people walking by sound like they were walking by. There's a little bit of artifacting that's, that's, that's in there that I'm not super happy with, but that's just me being way too picky. Yeah, I didn't notice that. The, it's the the last one, Tucker walking by and saying, macaroni with the chicken strips. Oh, I, uh, I really, I, I don't know why I didn't realize. Well, it's because I stayed up till three in the morning. Um, I didn't I didn't remember to modulate down the convolution reverb that makes him sound like he's farther away as he walks up. I have an equalizer that is bringing the high and low end down to make him sound like he's far from a mic. And then a convolution reverb fully 100% wet, which means 100% uh, just the reverb yep. uh, set to a small room just to make it because that makes it it makes it sound a little more like someone's not on the mic. But I forgot to dial that down when he got closer to us because there's already like four or five moving parameters and I just missed that one. And that's bugging me. I might fix it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anything else that you want to cover in fun facts? Just how many memes there were. (laughs) I think really like I I wonder if anyone will get every single meme reference. I I was hoping that there would be enough of a wide range that most people would get at least some. But I'm, I'm wondering if there's at least a couple people out there who are like every single one of those. There were some that caught me by surprise because I wasn't expecting them. And they like took me back. Oh, like like which? Oh, um, I wish I wrote them down. I'd have to go listen to it again. And But I will do that for you especially. But the, the listeners don't get that. But I remember every now and then just going, oh, man, that is so amazing. <laughs> I, that's kind of how I felt when I listened back to the tracks I got from uh, Tucker and Jordan and Lindsay and 80. Um, <laughs> the badger song was the one that stands out for me. Badger, 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 mushroom, <laughs> mushroom. Just goes by at one point. And when they did that, I was I was like, I, I had completely forgotten. That was integral nice. to my childhood. But yeah, so that's about it for fun facts. I really want to hear from our listeners which memes that stuck out to them. 
Yeah, and we will, um, as long as Mason has time, we will grab the files and we'll drop those out in our Discord and on Patreon. Yeah. Oh, I do want to give a shout out to, uh, uh, their username is Zillion. Their name is Jace. They were the voices of a loudspeaker person. And yeah. they're one of the fans of the show. They're uh, they're one of the people who's in our Discord and messaged me like, hey, I, you said you wanted voice parts, so I want to do some voice parts. And so I was like, oh, awesome. And we went back and forth. I gave them that line and they crushed it. They sounded so good. They actually gave me a bunch of takes, including like a Super Smash Brothers announcer take and like a crazy taxi driver take. And that was just really fun. I, I love that we got to have one of the people who listens to the show voice a, voice a little character in it. Yeah, and I think we're going to continue to look for ways to do that oh, as yeah. well because it's just a ton of fun. And I also want to shout out Eli Chambers, the person who composed our theme music and also yeah. <laughs> took the role of the Expo employee to another level. That was great. When, when I got his... I'm sorry, I'm laughing just thinking about it because the first time I listened to his audio when he sent it back and he's just like screaming Morbin time and over 9,000 and all of that stuff. I was, I didn't know that Eli was going to do it to that level, but I should have, I should have expected it. Eli's great. Uh, super talented, super nice, super funny person and uh, really made that role my favorite. Nice. One other thing before we move on, I think I, I don't remember if I mentioned this in the episode or not. I know I mentioned it at some point, but whether it made it in or whether we cut it, I forgot. But um, Christina Downs, who we interviewed in that, did have a podcast called Crime Lore that everybody should check out if they haven't yet, because she sits at this intersection of folklore and criminal science and has a podcast that she's not doing anymore, but all the episodes are really, really interesting. And she looks at like um, the folklore of you know things like The Vanishing Hitchhiker or... A hook Hand Man. Um, yeah, Hook Hand Man or the person in the backseat of the car, all, all those kind of things. Um, and then gets into cases where that may or may not have happened and where ostension or quasi-ostention or pseudo-ostention played a part of it and so on. That's super cool. I forgot to put that in the show notes. I'm going to do that right now. Yeah, great show. Um, wish she was still making it, but I understand time constraints and everything else. Yeah, making podcasts is hard. <laughs> making podcasts is hard. Um, okay, a couple other shout outs. These are comments that came in, one on Spotify and one on CastBox that I want to read. This was in the last episode, The Links Between Us, Algorithmic Identity, Goncharov, and Tumblr. And this was on Spotify, and this is from Lewis Cruz, and said, really great work, folks. It's in that perfect sweet spot of entertaining and informative without dumbing down the content. Keep up the incredible work. It's worth it. That's awesome. I like that. I love that. That says to me, like, everything we aim for, you know? Exactly. And then Katie the Book and Yam Dragon <laughs> on, <laughs> on CastBox. Katie the Book and Yam Dragon. Or, no, that says... Yarn Dragon. <laughs> Katie the book and Yarn Dragon. A Yarn Dragon and a Yam Dragon would be two different things. A yarn. See, book and yarn together makes a lot more sense uh, than books and yams. But I love just like, uh, there's two things I like. I like books and I like yams. And yeah, I like yams. And yeah, that's that's what I thought is somebody that's uh, <laughs> a fan of books and some potatoes. What did, uh, what did Katie say? Katie the book and Yarn Dragon says... Excellent episode, guys. As a Tumblr user, I can attest to what you said about our beloved hell site. The frame grows ever more intriguing, especially now that you're in the second season. I enjoyed the frame in the first season because it kind of felt like a GM establishing the campaign setting with broad strokes. As a GM, I mean, 
this in the best possible way. I'm waiting eagerly to see how your character selves and the story interact with this eerie, mysterious setting that you've made. Hey, that's awesome. That makes me so happy. Absolutely. Because that is very much how it feels from this side. So I'm glad that it's being perceived that way. That's awesome. Yeah. And we talked about the way that you're you're kind of sketching this out from a script perspective really does sound like a game master setting the stage. Yeah. I started to think of it like, oh, I'm running a D&D campaign that I'll, I'll write it like I'm prepping a D&D campaign for you and our guests. Exactly. Oh, and I want to shout out not specifically a comment and not a listener per se, although I think he does listen to it, uh, given that he's helping edit it. Matthew Bliss really coming in and yeah. coming in clutch and lending a hand, cutting down um, these after the episodes and then helping doing the interview cleanup, like ch- chopping down the big, long interviews we do for the main episodes. Matthew is amazing. And also, is is he still running uh, uh, um, the, the video game news podcast, Dead Drop? No, he is no. not. Oh, I haven't listened to podcasts in so long. And so I haven't I haven't checked up on it. No, he does one with his wife, though, called From My Home to Yours. Oh, how did I? I don't. Did he say something about that? Because I must have missed it. Yeah, you just didn't care enough. No, no. All right, I'm going to subscribe to that right now. Matthew is awesome uh, and super talented, just a wonderful human being and is coming in clutch and, and saving particularly my butt here with some of the, the editing going on. It is. It's called From My Home to Yours, and it is about uh, Matthew moving from Australia to Ireland, which follows the, uh, which is where his partner's from. I love that. I'm going to, I'm subscribing to that right now. I'll read the description. It says, <clears throat> Moving across the world to another country can be hard, but it's easier when your significant other is a local. From my home to yours follows the journey of, I cannot read that name. It is an Irish name. And Matthew, Australian, moving their lives from Australia to Ireland. They leave no stone unturned as they discuss the logistics and planning needed to make the journey successful and the emotional upheaval of making a new life together halfway across the world. And I'll, I'll say is, is they're leaving no stone unturned. That's really, really dangerous when you live in a place with stone circles that have <laughs> magical properties that have not been unlocked for centuries or millennia. Yeah. Hey, Matt, be, be real careful with those stones. Be care- All right, dude. Be, be careful with the hinges. Was the name Bernadine? It is Bernadine. Bernadine. And follows the journey of Bernadine, Irish, and Matthew, Australian. Also, not really related to anything except for just a fact. Matthew has a wonderful voice. Like, I could listen to Matt read nutrition labels. Uh, So, check check out this podcast. Um, Matt's also done some voices for PodCube. Matthew should do a podcast where he just lists nutrition labels. But yeah, so just huge thanks. Can't thank Matthew enough. Listen to his show. All right. So last thoughts from you then. What do we look for in the next episode? Uh, A little bit of a change of frame as things start to pick up. We're kind of at, in the narrative arc of this season, we're at the bit where when you look at, you know, the the hump of a story, what is that called? The curve, the rising action, the climax and the denouement. We are at the bit where we are lifting into the rising action. This was sort of the turning point where we've laid a lot of groundwork that is going to be coming up through the rest of this. And uh, the next episode starts the rising action that builds towards the climax in the penultimate episode of the series. So awesome. Yeah, that sounds so sophisticated. It does for something so silly, right? Well, and actually, that's that is an ostension of what we were talking about earlier before we hit record, that we somehow have the fun job of finding the smartest people in the world 
that can talk about the most weird, inane things. Yes. Like we talked to the world's foremost expert on Halloween candy panics. <laughs> exactly. Genuinely the world's and, foremost expert. I mean, we're, we're going to yeah. speak in the world's foremost expert in creepy clown panics. It is. It's so funny to, because it's also fascinating and there's so much value in studying these things, but it's really funny when you step back from it and you say, we're talking about clowns. <laughs> like we're talking about Pepe the Frog. We're talking about the like most inconsequential looking things. Macaroni with the chicken strips. Macaroni with the chicken strips. Academically. Exactly. What does it mean when pregnant Sonic kisses Mario and they're both crying? Who knows? Someone does. Someone's an expert on pregnant Sonic. <laughs> exactly. We have not talked to that person yet, but if we can find them, I want to. Yeah. And talking about the the writing structure like that, I I really, I don't know if I've mentioned that like I am not a writer. I have not written scripts. I have not written things in, I used to write ad copy. You're faking it really well. Thanks. I took, I spent almost literally the majority of the season binging content on writing and uh, theory of that and like, uh, like masterclass type stuff and articles and blogs and doing exercise, like trying to figure out how to do it because it's not a skill I had. You threw all that out and used chat GPT. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. At at Claude, actually. Um, Uh, Nice. Yeah. Claude is the more creative of the two. I actually, uh, I have not yet. I've used chat GPT when I'm looking for a specific word sometimes because it's a little faster than Google to be like, what's a word that means like fancy, but it also means this. And uh, that's that's fun. Oh, nice. Very, very cool. Um, So... Over the next few days or so, if you are on our Discord or Patreon, look for some fun stuff that Mason should have time to prepare. As soon as he gets it to me, I'll throw it up there for everybody. And thank you so much for listening. Uh, A lot more fun in store. And it gets weirder. It gets weirder. It gets really, really weird. I want to make a Wolfpack reference for the four people who get it. It gets funkier. Yeah, thank you so much for listening and for being on this ride with us. And thank you for listening to our After the Episode episode, which hopefully you listen to after the episode. Tune in after the next episode to the After the Episode of that episode, and we'll see you there as well. Yeah, after that episode. Later. Later. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.